If taken out of context, Eliza Arsenault's quote may raise some concern for church members, you think? If taken out of context, we need to like make that into a jingle. Yeah. <laughs> just put it on a shirt. Take it out of context. Yeah, it's not really because Jake just read the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> but they love it. So they're like, oh, you just you took it out of context. You, know, you twisted the words. Not what they really meant. Yeah. Oh, word, I love yeah. when. Uh, you would you like go right right to this church website and you're like this is from the church website so you cannot come at me and say that we don't do this right <laughs> so annoyed with people because they're like that's not what we believe that's you never taught and i'm like screwed it and you're like no it. bitch i read it directly i read it from your source okay yeah. <laughs> so annoying Hi besties, this is uh, not so Peter Priesthood. Um, I am your host, Jake Taylor. Um, I do have a big announcement um, for that will actually be revealed in this episode. So um, keep your nothing really is going to change much, except there's just going to be a little more organization. That's a little hint for the. Uh, surprise um anyway you can reach me at not so peter priesthood at gmail.com and you can also reach me on instagram uh at not so peter priesthood um if you can go to itunes and rate review and subscribe that'd be great um and that is all enjoy And then, um, but he was looking at my BYU Idaho records, and he was like, "You would be a good RP, which is a religious person, and you would just—you're basically like a um, bodyguard and like a what is it? Because chaplains can't carry guns. Oh and yeah. So you get to be the one that's like armed with the chaplain, and you get—it's like you're kind of a bodyguard, and you also like hand out the flyers at church. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I'm trying to get away from that. Yeah. <laughs> No, thank you. Oh, sounds like a backward slide back into yeah. being a fourteen-year-old boy at church. Yeah, I was like, I've already done that, so it's minus the gun. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine the little ironic priesthood? <laughs> they have gums. They're passing out sacraments. Scary. Wait, they don't do that in Texas? <laughs> you know, I bet it's happened. I can see it yeah. happening. At least I'm one sure kid. I have relatives in 
the southern states that pack to church. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know my one cousin always has a gun on him, even when he goes to McDonald's. So. <laughs> oh. So weird oh. to me. Yeah, it's like a conceal and carry permit or whatever. And I'm like, why? For what? For McDonald's, you know. For McDonald's. It's just gonna, it's, okay, I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> it's gonna go on a diatribe about like, how it makes it all worse, but it then will waste precious time. <laughs> <laughs> well, so apparently my dad had a, maybe I shouldn't, well, it's fine, whatever. Um, it's in the past, so, um, it's in the past. whatever. The, um, my dad had put, a gun in my mom's like like he was trying he was trying to get it somewhere like I don't know why but for some reason she had a gun in her van not knowing that it was there and she's she was a teacher <laughs> she goes on campus every day <laughs> with a gun in her van <laughs> and uh yeah and then she found out that there was a gun like my dad said your guns, my guns in there. And she's like, why is it in my van? Honestly, <laughs> yeah, so mad. Like that's not a good place for it. <laughs> no. Although growing up in Cardston, every boy who drove a truck to high school had a gun rack in the back of his truck. So. Oh yeah, that's uh, just that's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. Half half your class is missing in the springtime because they're all out shooting gophers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They have hunting, what was it, hunting season, like a week off of hunting season here. They used to. I don't know if they still do. Off of school? Uh, yeah. And spud Whoa. harvest. So there's two. And spud harvest. Or a hick from Idaho without telling people a hick from fucking Idaho. Anyway. That's cute, though. I like that. Yeah, they definitely, have, that, that I thought was funny, but. I feel like yeah. it could be a Hallmark movie and there would be like the spud farm and dance. That she finds her true love. <laughs> There'd That's be the what spud be queen. You know that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a um, there's a museum here, like a potato museum or something, and there's a huge, like a statue, statue like a of a p- potato with a big old cube of butter on top of it. That's a, all it is. Like it's it's just this, and I'm like, how are Potatoes aren't necessarily artistic. Like they're just like they're just like brown and. Is it a, a root vegetable? Is it a metal statue? I need to look this up because I know <laughs> I saw it. I feel like it's one of those things where I was like, "Did I dream that?" <laughs> but I know it's real. I know I've seen pictures of it, but I haven't seen like it in person. Maybe That's I should amazing. go on a tour. Maybe I should go on a scavenger hunt for a you potato should. statue. I think you should. Yeah, <laughs> we have a gopher museum here. It's like all these taxidermied <laughs> gophers. <laughs> my little what? sister loved that. She loves taxidermy. You showed you showed me pictures of that. Yeah. She loves little. She's like obsessed with these. Um, that people take mice and they taxidermy them into like little, um, little like little scenes, scenes and stuff. And stuff. Like, yeah, that's what the Gopher Museum is. There's like there are all these little different scenes of taxidermy gophers. That's really funny. Did you guys know that that's like my one like phobia is taxidermy? Oh really? Uh-oh. Yeah. Like, Don't come to Alberta. <laughs> I go into like a what are those those like sporting goods stores that They're have so creepy. I I literally Cabela's get like stuff, cold like, yeah mm-hmm. I get like cold sweats and like hives. Really? It's, yeah, it's like and I I know it's an irrational thing. Like they're mm-hmm. dead. I think it's because they're dead things on the wall, and yeah. I'm like, mm, yeah, so weird. 
I don't know. Like a it is a very staple weird. back home. So everybody has like yeah. a dead deer and a dead moose and a dead bear. And Speaking oh, okay. Of, you know how we were just talking about my brother-in-law before we recorded listeners. Um, we were, <laughs> he's got a big old wreck on his, uh, like a big old, is an elk? I don't even know what it is, but it's this big, massive elk that he's put over the stairs of their house. And it's the house that I gr- basically grew up in. So like I see it and I'm like, oh. Take it down. Anyway. I hate it. Ugh. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. It's a weird. It's such a weird practice of humans. Like, why do we? Why do we gotta like? Put... And like display these things that we kill as trophies. Or yeah. Something psychologically yeah. interesting behind that. Yeah. It's weird. It's so weird. <laughs> anyway, should we go? <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh, speaking, I have to say this because it was, uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but I just laughed and I think it made me think of it. My little sister, she goes right for the jugular with her comments and she called me a hyena because <laughs> of my laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like, what? Why? <laughs> like, uh, I think that's great. <laughs> um, Patrick calls me a seagull. <laughs> so, because when I get laughing really hard, I'm like, and I can't breathe. So it's the seagull. It sounded just like a seagull. <laughs> yeah. There's the episode of Family Guy. I think it's Family Guy where they're talking about like that annoying guy in the theater, and it's a seagull sitting in a theater watching a movie, and it's like, ah, ah. Pat's always like, it's a <laughs> <laughs> It's you. It's Family oh. Guy. <laughs> yeah, because if I get laughing really hard, I like, I have asthma, so I can't breathe. So I'm just like, ah. Oh. Sorry, listeners, for that. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, ah. Sorry, like, babe. Oh, no, oh, no. Don't do it again. <laughs> um, so th- we do have a huge announcement. Um, I don't know if you're ready for this, Dusty. Are you ready for your announcement? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Dusty is officially co-host status on Not So Peter Priested. I mean... She kind of unofficially was already. Yeah, it was already. It's really just like making it official. It's more just like she was already there. But <laughs> you had asked me like a long time ago, and I was like, no, I don't want to take away from your voice. It's your podcast. But but then I realized like how awesome we are together, and that we yeah. balance each other out. And I was like, yeah. no, I can be official. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I'd like to thank everyone. What am I most excited about? Manny Bullet Journal. (laughs) (laughs) What Jake really got here was a co host and a manager. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, future planning? We're doing great, guys. You guys, she just held up the journal and it's all like color coded and every, I mean, never seen so organized. I'm a freak. It's fine. <laughs> it's great. It's because I'm naturally such a flighty person. If I'm not organized, everything just goes to shit. So <laughs> I'm basically what Dusty would be if she weren't like a color coding, like doing all the lists and stuff. So it basically is like a before and after. I love it. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited. I'm it's gonna be good things. We're gonna have fun. Yeah, we have lots of stuff planned, and 
she's already laid me out. She's like, uh, we have this and this and this laid out for the next three weeks, but we need these for the, the rest of September. And I'm like, um, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, manager. <laughs> yes, <laughs> ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's uh, so our topic today, um, Katie and I are in the know, but um, Dusty is, this is going to be a treat for you. Ooh. And actually, um, this, I was thinking about this as I was um, getting ready to record. Um, this actually like fits along with your story that you've, so if listeners, if you haven't listened to Dusty's story, she's been on both um, Nazi Molly Mormon and um, she's told her story there and also on this podcast. So um, you can go back and listen to her story there, um, but I I think it'll resonate with you. So because <laughs> you can have raging hey. dusty, I'm pretty sure <laughs> you're gonna make me cry. Don't make me cry. No, I'm just kidding. Make me cry. So. It's true. Fair's fair. <laughs> Not on purpose. I wouldn't do that on purpose to you. <laughs> I would. <laughs> oh. I choose violence. <laughs> But uh, we're going to, and I gave Katie homework, kind of. It mm-hmm. was kind of interesting how that came about, because I just, like, told her what to do. Told her, hey, maybe you should look up this. She's like, I was thinking the same thing. So we were on the same wavelength there. So Yeah, I actually had already started writing notes about that. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, good. He wants me to talk <laughs> yeah. about it. <laughs> that was Love perfect. Because what I was planning in my head didn't pan out, so it worked out anyway. So, um we're going to talk about women giving blessings. So, and women of the priesthood and that kind of, so, um, I love this. I'm already excited. <laughs> so I wanted to, like, I had thought about it and it was, um, and in my research on this, I found out that like the church wasn't always where it is today, where it's like, so against women having the priesthood. It wasn't like in the early days of the church, it was actually kind of, it was okay. Like it was just, but in a different way, like they, and we'll get into it. But um, so first off, so this is from ldsliving.com. And this kind of tells what I just said, but in the days of church, it was uncommon for women to participate in giving blessings of healing. In fact, by 1880, women had developed a ritual to help those who were about to give birth, often calling this a washing and anointing previous to confinement. And there's a book called the first 50 years of the Relief society. And I'm going to be like, quoting a lot from that but i don't um there's anyway i I have my typed notes again look at that (laughs) listen anyway (laughs) yes Um, uh naturally many questions arose within the church about the role of women administering these blessings a book released by the church 50 years first 50 years of the relief society details women's role in the formation of the church and the beginning of the relief society so uh the Relief Society always, I remember, this I just had a random memory, um, from a mission. Uh, we were walking along, like, tracting, ugh, and um, in the Florida heat, and um, we met this woman, and she, like, yelled at us from, like, across the road. She was like, you guys don't believe in, what'd she say? She was basically like, you guys don't believe that women have power, and all this, like, you guys are anti, you know, like, basically, like, telling us how like we're against women and all this stuff and we were just like i just remember being like yeah we have the relief society and my companion (laughs) was like we have the oldest uh women's organization in the world or whatever in the country i don't know if that's even true it can't be but like um and she was like that's not true and i yeah 
I just remember that, like, I was a newbie, too, so I was just like, that area, my first area, I got yelled at a lot. That was wild. (laughs) Yeah, no, I hear that a lot from people, like, when we bring up the the fact that there's so much inequality, uh, especially, like, women don't have the priesthood or power or whatever, they love to say, well, (laughs) they have the Relief Society, and they can have children like um they don't need the priesthood power because they're they're already closer to god they already have that connection they already have all that bullshit that's just more like a placating and like a what is the word what am i trying to think of is it's it placating like, it's like yeah. a, patronizing what was it yeah. What'd you say? patronizing patronizing that's the word yeah. too. it's like <laughs> benevolent sexism where you're like let's put them up on a pedestal and then be like okay so now we say this nice thing about you you don't get the same rights as us yeah, there's a whole episode you guys did about that, right? I remember that. That was one yeah. of my like, eye-opening episodes. I was like, ah. Oh. Because they always think about like being put up on a pedestal as a good thing, but it's actually not. It's actually confining you into this one yep. spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> listeners, go listen to it if you haven't listened to it. I don't know Uh-oh. what episode it is. but <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I lost track at this point. <laughs> Um, all right. So in a meeting with Nauvoo Relief Society on April 28th, 1842, the meeting's minutes record the prophet Joseph Smith, uh, his, his instruction to women regarding the priesthood and giving he- healing blessings. So he says, respecting the female laying on her hands, he remarked, he further remarked, there could be no devil in it if God gave his sanction by healing, that there could be no more sin in any female laying ha- hands on the sick than in wetting the face with water. That it is no sin for anybody to do that it has do it that has faith, or if the sick has faith to be healed by the administration. So is he saying that women can give blessings, like healing blessings? Yeah, in 1842, he's saying that women can give blessings. So um, that's kind of where I'm going to go with that. Is that like what changed? <laughs> like, like, yeah, right. It, um, let's see. Uh, in the early days of the church, many Relief Society sisters saw these blessings as a mention of their call to serve and minister to the sick and afflicted. And that's kind of where the Relief Society is all about. And I um, I, find, I hate they call it ministering now, whatever, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. like Home teaching, it. Just gives teaching, me the and my relief. mom doesn't even like it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it either. Um, I feel like they used that word to try to um, seem more Christian. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, I also, I find such a correlation, this is kind of off topic, but I find such a correlation with what, like, witchcraft was considered back then, and then what the Relief Society was doing. Like, there's so many crossovers between, like, oh, she's a witch because she's using healing herbs on a sick person, but, like, the Relief Society was, like, putting their hands and cleansed water on sick people. I that was the really point I was going to, um, oh. I was trying to do some research on that, actually, and I couldn't find anything specific about it, so I, and I'm sure there's more to it, like, I, I just didn't get into, didn't know where to look, you know, and so I'm, there's definitely a correlation there, and I was trying to find that, so I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, but. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, like, there's always been, like, a problematic history, obviously, of, like, women doing things to heal like with the uh, Salem witch trials and stuff and like doing, but women are always in history have always been the healers in mm-hmm. cultures. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes sense that there would be, 
they should be able to give those blessings. If this is actually the true church, quote unquote, then they should be given that power. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's see. Where was I? <laughs> uh, these, oh yeah, these early saints understood the gift of healing primarily in terms of the New Testament's teaching that it was one of the gifts of the Spirit available to believers through faith. As a result, many women in the 1800s used their faith to bless the sick, but as Relief Society General President Eliza R. Snow explained in 1883, women can administer in the name of Jesus through faith, but not by virtue of the priesthood. So she kind of started. The, oh, I don't, okay. I don't she so started, like you can harness the power of Jesus and do it that way, but you can't do it through the priesthood line? Yeah. But isn't Jesus? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, it's weird. contradictory then. Like, what's what's the difference? Yeah, right? So one of the things I did find um, with the when I was doing some of that research was that um, there was a whole thing with the Catholic Church and how they called them women priests, which I'm like, why don't you just call them priests? You know, like, they called them <laughs> women priests. And it was, like, a big deal that they were suddenly ordaining women into the as a priest in the Catholic Church. And um, it was, like, in the... 80s 90s or something like that so it took forever for them to even get it you know um the catholic church has been around forever so i don't know maybe i i'm i hate to say it but the church this church the mormon church won't last long enough to for that to even happen so (laughs) (laughs) we can only hope right (laughs) i kind of see the writing well they're selling chapels so i feel like yeah it's yeah something's going on well, the church can't last with like what with the internet and the te- technology we have today. Like it just it can't. There's it can't uphold against it. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's there's too much truth that rips it apart. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think uh, that the church is going to? Sorry, this is like kind of a tangent, but to survive, do you think they'll evolve and eventually, like, you know, accept gay marriage and give women have the to. priesthood? But yeah. I feel like by then, lot so many people will have left, but they'll still have so much money. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like there something radical is going to happen that's going to like shake it. I don't know whether they like like when they accepted like when black men could have the priesthood. So many people left because they were angry, but it brought in that whole other amount of people, right? So. I don't know. I don't know what the next thing is that they're going to do, but I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't (laughs) understand how they can survive with their current trajectory. Yeah. 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 They'll definitely have to make some compromises, which are like, if you're you're really God's church and he's unchanging (laughs) from the day day and whatever, you know, I'm just like. That's my big thing. It's like, why does it constantly change if it's supposedly like, it was restored yeah, and perfect. Yeah. But the church now is nowhere near what it was when Joseph Smith made it. No. Like, it's n- the fundamentalists are way closer to what he yeah. had than what the, like, mainstream LDS church is. Well, even yeah. if you look at, like, when we were in it, like, there's been so many changes just in the last 20 years, you know, or so. Like, it's just, right. like, even as when we were children... Like in the 80s and 90s, it's like that's it's a completely different church than mm-hmm. it was back then, even. So, yeah, like my sister was saying that like Eve has a bigger part in the temple 
stuff now and like she really likes that and I'm like so she got a speaking role I don't understand how that (laughs) and you don't have to I think they don't have to wear the veil in the temple anymore right like over their face oh I hadn't heard that but that's oh really I'm I'm so damn hot under that veil polyester over your face with all those layers and you're like stressed out because it's so confusing. It's not. Yeah, I thought I was going to pass out. You're trying to remember when to stand up and when to do the. Uh, yeah. Do you guys remember? It's been many years ago, but we had a listener mail me her like temple clothes. Like yeah, the whole yeah. getup. Oh, yeah. And I had it and I was like taking it out of the box and describing it on air. And I took out the veil and I like put it on for a second and I felt so weird and gross I had to like immediately take it yeah, off so it, I can't imagine it, like sitting there for like however long yeah like we all have headphones on so it sits like right where your headphones go on your head so it can go back but then it also comes forward so it just sits on your face there's no like space it just sits there it's so claustrophobic oh Oof. I hated it so much oh I hated it Oof. especially during the prayer circle because the women have to veil their face in the prayer circle Oof. too Blah. I feel like I know the prayer circles like towards the end, but that's always the point where I'm just like, I would look at, well, I remember looking at my sister's face when she first went through it and then she yeah. was just like, what the fuck is happening right now? And that was exactly <laughs> when I started feeling it. And I, I know like, like th- through the whole thing, you're just kind of like lost and confused and then you're just like, what is happening? What is happening? And then you get to the prayer circle and that's where it starts feeling like, oh, this is definitely culty. You know, like, yeah, it's just that's like, when my heart started like hammering in my chest and I was like, I am not comfortable. Like, oh, where is the God. exit? Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. But you already promised that you're going to go through with it at that point because they only ask mm-hmm. you at the beginning if you yes. give consent yeah. unknowingly yeah. to what you're so about to do. It's not informed consent. Mm-mm. And then you're also like sworn to secrecy. So that's that mm-hmm. added layer of anxiety. Oh. Yeah. Because I remember at the prayer circle, my first time going through the temple, I was like, no, I need to get out. I need out. Like I was panicking fully. Mm hmm. And here I was, like, as a priesthood, you know, and, like, and I'm about to go on a mission, you know, like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm about to go to, like, I'm about to go to Florida, like, for two years, and, like, this is what we're, this is, yeah. this, is where, this is the ultimate place we're trying to get people to go, and I'm like, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> and you're dedicating your life to this, and yeah. you've never been prepared for what you're promising, it's, yeah. like, that's crazy. Yeah. This last week was my 18th anniversary of going through the temple, and I was wow. like, still traumatic. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right. So um, I did not expect to talk about temple as much, but it's cool. It's cool. We like it. <laughs> um, let's see. So Eliza Snow. Um, see, she clarified the. The thing about the, although, like, she says that, like, women don't have to be set apart, so, um, but men do. So then um, she clarified it and says, is is it necessary for sisters to be set apart, set, set apart, set apart <laughs> to officiate in the sacred ordinances of washing, anointing, and laying out of hands in ministering to the sick? And she says, it is certainly, certainly is not. Any and all sisters who honor their holy endowments not only have the right, but should feel it a duty Whenever called up to administer to our sisters in these ordinances, which God has graciously committed to his daughters as well as to his sons. And we testify that when administered and received in faith and humility, they are accompanied with almighty power. Um, 
I feel weird even saying all this stuff because it just feels like back to church days. Inasmuch as God, our Father, has revealed these sacred ordinances and committed them to his saints, it is not only our privilege, but our imperative duty to apply them for the relief of human suffering. We think we may safely say thousands can testify that God has sanctioned the administration of these ordinances by, by our sisters with the manifestations of his healing influence. So, I find it so interesting that these early leaders were really adamant that it was like, yeah, women have this power. And yeah. now it's n- not none at all. Like if yeah. you even think about a Mormon woman giving a blessing, that's like super blasphemous. That's not. Oh, cool. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, and it's huge news that they can watch. They can watch the baptisms and be seen as a witness. As a witness. Like, okay, when that so, came out and they were like, look how like, progressive. <laughs> They can oh. watch baptisms now. Thanks for they throwing can... us a bone there, folks. <laughs> they said that, like, the Mormon women missionaries could wear pants oh. uh, if it wasn't Sunday. And I was like, about damn time. It's like 2020. Yeah. Why am I making them wear dresses every single day? <laughs> Seriously, I've never understood that because, like, there are certain places in the world where it's just not safe to be wearing a dress all the time. like Or the there's... weather. Yeah, you can't too cold these poor women that come here and it's minus 40 and they can't use their car because they've hit their allowance of car time for the week or whatever so they're walking through the snow in their little dresses like oh my word i i just never understood it yeah. it's just control yeah 100 percent. absolutely um so let's see if taken out of context, Eliza R. Snow's quote may raise some concern for church members, you think? If taken <laughs> out of context. We need to, like, make that into a jingle. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just put it on a shirt. Take it out of context. Yeah, even though it's not really, because Jake just read the whole thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they love to say, like, oh, you just you took it out of context. You know, you mm-hmm. twisted the words. It's not what you really meant. <laughs> oh, my word, I love yeah. when uh, you, uh, you, like, go right right to this church website and you're like this is from the church website so you cannot come at me and say that we don't do this right. <laughs> so annoyed with people because they're like that's not what we believe that's you never taught and i'm like screwed it and you're really like no did. bitch i read it directly i read it from your source okay yeah. <laughs> so annoying <laughs> oh. Uh, it's important to note that the washing and anointing Sister Snow, Sister Snow is referring to here is not the same as what now takes place within the temple, but it refers to the cultural practice of ritually washing. Which, oh my God, ritually washing women. Say that ten times That's fast. Hard. Ritually washing women. Ritually washing women. <laughs> <laughs> <That's tough>. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a something you never. I shouldn't say that. Uh, Pornhub thing, but... Uh, I was going to say, it's like a porno. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ritually washing women. <laughs> um, so it refers to the cultural practice of ritually washing women before giving birth. This was simply another form of ministering to those in need through faith. So they're just... It's basically saying like, oh, well, it's not the same as what we do now. So that's why it's different. That's what's changed. Yeah, they excuse it away like, oh, well, it was just this cultural thing. Even though you've read all of the... the Sources, even from J Dog himself, that said that women should have this women have power. power. It's, it's not whole, just a cultural. Oh, lots practice. of fourteen-year-olds were getting married then. Lots of women were washing anointing. Lots. It's such a bullshit statement. That's like, no, no. Yeah. I'm sorry. That yeah, just you're trying to change what it actually was. Just yeah, 
Be honest it. about I it. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1888, Sister Emmeline B. Wells uh, sought further clarification from President Wilford Woodruff on this matter, and his response became a reference and guide for Relief Society presidency and local leaders for years. You ready for this? Okay, let's see. Oh, boy. Oh, I hate it that's already. I hate it already. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to begin with, I desire to say that the ordinance of washing and anointing is one that should only be administered in temples or other holy places which are dedicated for the purpose of giving endowments to the, endowments to the saints. That ordinance. Oh, uh, so there alone, he's already contradicting what the current church is saying, right? I I didn't yeah. give birth in a church or a <laughs> temple. Temple. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But oh, you're continue. fine. Uh, that ordinance ought not to be administered to anyone, whether she has received or has not received her endowments in any other place or any other, under any other circumstances. But I imagine from your question that you refer to a practice that has grown up among the sisters of washing and anointing sisters who are approaching their confinement. What do you mean confinement? Because they used that to was... shut women away who were laboring. They used to uh, um, put them away until the laboring was over and the baby had arrived. Uh, If so, this is not strictly speaking an ordinance unless it is be done under the direction of the priesthood and connection with the ordinance of laying on of hands for the restoration of the sick. There is no impropriety in sisters washing and anointing their sisters in this way under the circumstances you describe, but it should be understood that they do this not as members of the priesthood, but as members of the church, exercising faith for and asking the blessings of the Lord upon their sisters, just as they, every member of the church, might do for their members of their families. Oh, so now he's morphing it into more like, almost like we're just praying for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's not, so spe- it's actually not special. Priest. It's just them being good sisters who yeah. are just helping a friend out while they're giving birth. They don't actually have power, spiritual yeah. power. Oh, yeah. I hate What it. a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yep. What a dick. I mean, even though it's all fake, it's still just like, okay, so you had to clarify this fake thing specifically isn't for women. <laughs> Can't even Uh, share the fake things. Okay. Greedy. Greedy Uh, old men. I know. (laughs) (laughs) In the early 20th century, church members started to shift away from this practice. In 1923, President Heber J. Grant noted that many stakes began the practice of having women wash and anoint the sick with oil. So that was interesting. I didn't... Yeah. Um then call on the lead elders to confirm their anointing. So, you know, you know there's two the two parts of the, uh, uh, so you do, like, the oil, and that's the anointing, and then you do the blessing, so that's oh, yeah. confirming. Yeah. So that's, um, so in the old, like, old days, like, women could do the The women oil, would do the oil part. Oil part. And then the men would come and confirm it. Oh. Which makes sense, makes because sense. women are just supposed to be in the kitchen with the cooking oil anyway. <laughs> It's true. They're right there. Yeah. I mean, it's convenient, right? <laughs> Bring that extra virgin olive oil over. Um, <laughs> I want so my olive oil slutty. I think that's <laughs> slutty olive oil. That's the only kind I like. Um, so the the women would put the oil on, and so it's almost like, yeah, that seems a bit more equal. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. At least a little nod to the women, I guess. But yeah, you don't see yeah. that now at all. Like women don't even carry the oil. Those little uh, keychain oils. Well, yeah. <laughs> Good lord. Mine was so, like, nasty by the end of, like, I had the same one for my mission and all through until I, I remember taking it off my keychain and that was, like, a huge deal. I was like, I don't need this anymore. 
It was almost Ooh. equivalent to like taking off my garments. So. Yeah. Oh Did yeah. You... It's that important. Like. Did you ever you... accidentally put too much oil on someone's head and it got really greasy? <laughs> <laughs> it always felt weird because like I remember, <laughs> I was just like, what do I do? Just like dop here and then did I like do I rub it in? Or do I just like I don't. I remember getting a blessing from like an older man and he must have like not had the dexterity and there was like oil <gasps> dripping down my face during the blessing and I was like I just wanted to wipe it away oh! so badly and it was just like <laughs> like getting closer to my eye and I was like hurry up hurry. I, like I couldn't even focus on the blessings I was like I'm gonna get olive oil on my eye can we hurry please <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so funny and also how weird that that's something we used to do like we'd get blessings with oil on our head and think that we were gonna get ill what the fuck i know <laughs> my so uncle is a surgeon and he posted a meme the other day of like a doctor like with his head in his hands and being like 17 hours of surgery later but all the credit goes to a to a costco manager who had cooking oil <laughs> <laughs> yep Olive oil trumps science, apparently. Yeah, so. yeah him you know years that. of going to school and mm-hmm. research and practicing on cadavers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus and J-Dog's holy oil <laughs> saved you, shirt. That's the shirt we need to make. <laughs> Jesus and J-Dog's special cooking oil. (laughs) What if we, like, made those labels and actually made cooking oil? (gasps) That's such a good idea. We're going to be millionaires. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, idea I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah. TM. Yeah, that's that's ours. Don't steal that. (laughs) It won't be extra virgin olive oil, though. It's going to be slutty olive oil. Yes. We'll use good quality olive oil, but we'll call it slutty olive oil, and then it'll be J-Dog's and Jesus's special Special cooking oil. Oh, my God. (laughs) Love it so much. So good. So, uh, let's see. I guess so. that's the time when they see President Grant is the one that they kind of made it so that the scriptures tell us to call on the elders to hold so that's he's the one that like started it from we don't need to have women do that we can have men just do all of it <laughs> how do you hate women without telling me you hate women right uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh and then joseph f joseph f smith remember uh, the f, f. <laughs> Oh no, we've morphed into the same person. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> oh, that song. I still know every word. It's... Yeah. I remember when they like added like verses to it when we were like in primary. They'd like yes. tape them have to, like, the children. Really song. hurry, like quickly <laughs> say the most recent prophets' names because they'd like been dying. So you're like, oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then you say the current one. <laughs> <laughs> but well, meanwhile, Joseph F. Smith gets a whole other line. Remember, Remember the F. The F. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> what's he have to say about this? <laughs> you 
dying to hear about. Let's see. You <laughs> wrote the Relief Society General Presidency in 1946, outlining the guidelines that have since become the standard for the church. Oh, boy. So this is 1946. That's not even that long ago. But um, while the authorities of the church have ruled that it is permissible under certain conditions and with the approval of the priesthood, so you have to get man's permission mm. for sisters to wash yep, yep. and anoint other sisters, yet they feel that it is far better for us to follow the plan the Lord has given us and send for the elders of the church to come and administer ah. sick and afflicted. So even to just attempt to help them, they have to get permission from the priesthood leaders. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, like, this is before cell phones and sending a quick text, like, hey, so-and-so's struggling. Yeah. You'd have to, yeah. like, go physically get them. I think that's, like, how it is now. I mean, not physically get them, but don't they now, as Relief Society, they have to, like, ask permission from the, like, bishopric or whoever before they mm-hmm. do certain things, like oh, yeah. services. Yeah, or your events, like, your um, monthly things, yeah. you have to do it in ward council right. to put up what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, everything you do, they, women have to ask permission to do anything. So, oh, Tell uh, me again how they have so much power in their own organization. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the Relief, yeah, they say that the Relief Society has all this power but because they, they get to be in the meetings with, you know, with the bishop, the Relief Society president does. But does she actually get to like, yeah, advocate for her, the women of the church at all? No. No, or <laughs> vote on anything or do any of that. I hate the whole, like, women being allowed in the room concept. Like, why can't women be speaking at the table? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And why is allowing them into the room some form of, like, oh, cool, now you're equal? Because yeah. one of you is allowed in here, but you have to be quiet, though. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I remember, for some reason, not heard. I think when I was, like, the Laurel's president or whatever like we got invited to go to ward council once a month or whatever to like talk about what our classes were going to do and I remember sitting there and it was like me and then like the young women's president and then the relief society president it was three women and like nine men and we didn't speak at all yeah unless called upon (laughs) I hate it so much Mm -hmm. yeah all right so um I looked up a couple things that um, where we, instances where women healed, and you guys know that story where Eliza R. Snow gave the last surviving cow a blessing. You know that she. That um, sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. So I found out when I was doing that research uh, that it's kind of like a Mandela effect. Like uh, people don't know there's conflicting of whether it was Eliza R. Snow or this other woman that did it. Oh. Oh. And um, so like there's two different stories where like it was Eliza or Snow no it was this woman and and that to me tells you like like women in church history like we don't even know which woman did this you know like that's and it's not important enough to record who it was it's just this good story that and it was some woman you know if it was a a man we'd know exactly who he was (laughs) absolutely with his middle initial (laughs) yep (laughs) don't forget the F (laughs) remember the S (laughs) uh and then there's this other story amanda barnes smith nursed her son back to full health after the 1838 hans mill massacre Mm. her son alma was shot in the hip amanda prayed and received inspiration on how to create and apply a poultice to the wound the joint was healed and alma made full recovery so i mean cool but also maybe she just already knew how to make yeah 
<laughs> or but, like, maybe she had taken care of cattle or sheep or whatever, right? Well, and I um I tried to find like more like stuff in the church history about like women doing these things. There's not that's literally all I found. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Because so, it's not important, right? Unless it was in somebody's family journal, it's not going to be recorded. Yeah. The church is not going to put it out there. Yeah. Uh, and then there's this whole thing. I'm not gonna. This is a lot longer than I remember it being. I got a little crazy with these notes, but um, there's a whole book where it's called from. It's dialogue, a journal of Mormon thought. Um, if and I, if Mormon women have had the priesthood since 1843, why aren't they using it? And it's um by Margaret Merrill Toscano. Um, and sh- let's see. Uh. Let's see. Boyd Packer stated that ordinate, ordination to an office of the priesthood is the way and the only way it has been or is now conferred. Elder Packer's statement fails to deal with the historical development and use of the priesthood in its dispensation. The priesthood was at first undifferentiated into offices and callings. This happened in steps between 1829 and 1844. Moreover, Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery were not ordained to offices by the heavenly messengers. They simply had priesthood conferred upon them, which authority contains the right and keys to the create the various priesthood orders and offices which are merely appendages to the more comprehensive priesthood authority. Brother Pecker also ignores Alma 13, which does not speak of priesthood ordination by laying on of hands, but by a ritual that prefigures the redemption of Christ, suggesting the temple ritual, not the laying on of hands. So it's interesting that they're so like, you know, the church is so into like the laying on of hands. It has to happen by the laying on of hands. When I was yeah, on mission, yeah. it was like, they, other churches have priesthood, but they, it's not done by the proper way, by the laying on of hands. It's yeah, we, ha- we do it the right way, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of, and it's interesting that like, there's like that differentiation of like Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery were, um, yeah. like the yep. Oliver Cowdery didn't actually receive the priesthood. He was conferred upon him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's weird. Um, let's see. This is also from that book. It says, I believe that women have the right to church offices and priesthood positions by virtue of their temple endowments. Joseph Smith has said that all priesthood is Melchizedek, but there are different portions or degrees of it. The priesthood in the temple is the same priesthood given by the laying on of hands, but it is the fullness of the authority and embraces all other authorities, appendages, and offices. It is true that women cannot be ordained to offices in the church without official acknowledgement of the priesthood or acceptance of their authority by the priest, president of the high priesthood. Nevertheless, an important beginning is seeing how the fullness of the priesthood given in the temple carries with it the inherent, if latent, right to perform ordinances and constitute offices. So, I know that's a lot of... (laughs) a lot. Um, I mean, I was hearing there that it's like women have the right to the priesthood blessings, but they don't have the right to the priesthood. But then it's also like, what if she wants a blessing? She has to convince someone to give her one. Yeah, like it's you're still in you're controlled by men. Like, however you look at it. Yeah. Uh, This is interesting. Why aren't women using their priesthood? Because they are prevented from doing so by the current policy of the church, which many assume to be the will of God, without examining the historical evidence or theological assumptions beyond this behind this policy. But many women are saying that even if the present policy were changed, they would not want to participate in the priesthood structure of the church. Two major reasons are given for this response, both of which are compelling to me. 
first, many women... Is one of them internalized misogyny? I was going to say, because they hate themselves, because that's what they've been taught to... Oh, my word. Sorry. I don't want the power of the priesthood. I I don't need it. I just want a man to take me to the temple. (laughs) 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 I love that face. (laughs) Katie Katie just gave the best face ever. (laughs) (laughs) My disgusted, annoyed face. Yes. Uh, first, many women feel they do not want priesthood that is derived from and defined by men. Uh, they do not simply want to be incorporated into a male system, which would then co-opt their energies oh, okay. and talents and subordinate female concerns and desires to the service of the male structure. <laughs> Keep those gender roles separate. Mm-hmm. How can women function in the priesthood system without losing their personal autonomy and authority? I do not have a complete answer to this question. I'm struggling with it in the same way feminists are struggling with com- comparable questions dealing with women's relationships to all patriarchal structures. But I do know this. Women cannot simply be incorporated into the male system. Mm. They must have immediate access to the high count- highest council of the church if there's ever to be any equality. They don't have a penis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're just obsessed with like private parts and defining people by those. It's so weird. It's just like it makes me think of um like transphobia and homophobia and how it's like people are obsessed with like like what the genitalia and the biology of people is, yeah. you know? It's just like and also like, who why you do you give with a shit? Like yeah. it ties into that too to me. I'm just Oh, for it's sure. Weird. It's like why do you care about that part of people like leave it alone, let people just yeah, let them do what they want. They're just people. Yeah. yeah. Um, her second reason uh, why women do not want to use the priesthood, they don't want to be part of an abusive hierarchical system. So. Well, then uh, you leave the Mormon church then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Walk out. <laughs> it's all abusive. Yeah. Um, let's see. The question is this. Is it possible to participate in the priesthood system of the church without seeing the abuses that are being done in the name of the priesthood? Uh, let me say first that I think much good has, has and is being done with the priesthood. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, we got Doug. Um, anyway, that is, we're going to switch over to Katie's portion of <laughs> what she brought to the... <laughs> I'm excited. Um, yeah, so... When, when you told me about this, you were like, yeah, let's cover women in the priesthood. And I immediately thought of, like, obviously the historical stuff that you just talked about, but also recent um, things that happened where women have been trying to maybe get the priesthood or, like, shed light on this, like, Mormon feminists, if you can be a Mormon mm-hmm. feminist. I mean, I thought yeah. I was one for a while. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let me pull up my notes here. So, um. Before, so I'm going to talk mostly about Ordain Women with Kate Kelly. Mm. But yeah. be- before Ordain Women, there was the Wear Pants to Church event. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I remember sitting it. in church and watching this woman walk in wearing a pantsuit. And I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm, <laughs> we don't do that. What do you think we you're don't doing? Because that's is, who I was. So, like, blasphemous for women to wear even a really nice pantsuit to church. How even though all the men are in suits. How dare we see that you have two legs? How dare <laughs> How we? How dare we? 
Oh, no, not too nice. It's weird that it, to think of, like, it's just like a, a piece of fabric, and it's just more stitching that creates yeah. such a, like, ruckus, it's, you know? <laughs> like, right? It's just a piece of clothing that, oh, your their legs are still covered? Whatever. Actually, um, more covered, probably. Yeah. Than, yeah. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> so, uh, wear pants to church was the idea of Stephanie Lauritsen uh, of Salt Lake City. She and some fellow Mormon women who belonged to a group called All Enlisted posted an events page on Facebook on December 9th, 2012, called Wear Pants to Church. So we were all still in the church in 2012. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why we remember. I wasn't, but yeah. you weren't. I was, no. I was but you saw this happen, out. though, that's right? Yeah. No, this was before. This was oh, a woman before. who was strange. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> this <is> strange. <laughs> a woman who dared to defy the rules. <laughs> She was wearing pants before it was cool. Yeah, she was wearing pants before it was cool. I left the church in sorry. I left the church in two thousand five. Okay. I think. Oh, so wow. saw the light. I mean, I was slowly getting out, but I was still like, eh, I gotta pretend, you know. Yeah, I think I was around the same time. Yeah. So the event was meant to draw attention to the role of women in the LDS church, using attire as a symbol of inequality between men and women. And organizers hoped the dialogue Attire. would now, like A T T I R E, like clothing, oh, <laughs> not like a tire. Oh, like, it's a, like a uh, spare tire. That's so oh my weird. God. Like, I don't know why I thought of like tire. Took like a, a turn. Tire. I'm like, what apparel. 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 Yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah. So they were hoping the dialogue would then expand to include issues like the ordination of women or women taking on more responsibilities at church events. Um, this article I found, this was on, I think this is in the New York Times. Um, it says, though the Mormon church has no official policy against women wearing pants to church, many say they feel peer pressure to wear a dress, particularly in the Western United States. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I would agree. I guess there's no like formal rule, but I mean, if you, if you go to church in pants as a woman, you're making a statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that woman, she walked into, it was 2000 and must've been 2004. Because I was still, like, in, and she walked in wearing pants. And I remember, like, looking at her and, like, looking at my ex-husband, and he was like, I know, I know, I don't even. <laughs> Who does she think she is? Who does she think she is? <laughs> oh. Yeah, so on that Sunday, thousands of Mormon women arrived at church in pants. And a number of the women posted their photos on Facebook, and others said that they could not participate even though they wanted to because they were fearful of ridicule or reprimand. And mm-hmm. along those lines, one person even threatened online to shoot women who showed <gasps> up in pants. What? Yeah. Right? People are great. People are bananas. Um, and the organizer, Miss Loritzen, she also received threats on her own Facebook page that were investigated by Facebook and the local authorities. That's how mad people were about women wearing pants to church. It's just pants. Let him wear pants. Yeah. <laughs> right? So Interesting now, though, because we just talked about the sister missionaries being able to wear pants now. So, yeah. like, it obviously isn't that big a deal. Yes. <laughs> like, they were able to Slowly change. change. Yeah, right? But if it's on Sunday, for some reason, this one day, everyone just loses their goddamn mind. So, yeah. a couple of the comments from their page uh, said, a commenter wrote, what is wrong with all you women? 
If you're not happy with the LDS church, move on. Find another place of worship. You will not change Mormon doctrine. Does that sound familiar? It's doctrine to wear a dress to... <laughs> it's the culture. It's the doctrine. Meh, meh, meh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that happened in policy, 2012. Yeah. Right? The, I know. It, and it's there's a difference like, between the gospel and the policy. And it's like, no, the po- policy is rooted with in the doctrines. So like... Mm-hmm. And also, mm-hmm. pants aren't part of the doctrines. Shut the. I know. Shut the up. They just—it just shows their resistance to any kind of change and like the pushback you get if you try yeah. to, quote unquote, like change it from the inside. It's like nearly impossible. Well, and it's also change coming from women. So and women having the audacity to right. speak up. Right. Right. Could you imagine and, if a man was like, "I feel like women should be allowed." It would be like, "Oh yes, this is a revelation. Like, we want to oh, let's have, have a discussion about this." Yes. Yeah. Yes. But women wanted it. Then it's like, yeah. eh, no, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you just, why aren't you just happy with what we give you? Oh. <sighs> okay, so, so that was in 2012. Quick, yeah. Just real quick. So I have a, an acquaintance that um she wa- she returned to the church and she wanted to she got a personal training certificate whatever certification and she wanted to um start up a like health stuff in the church for women. And okay. I was like, that's great. I like that. I but then about. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I was like, she wanted to do it. Like she wanted it to become like church wide and like have it become like this program within oh. the church. Oh. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's great. But you realize that they're not going to listen to you because of your gender. Yeah, <laughs> how are you going to do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like, have a man more power to you, you. But yeah, because it's your idea and you're a woman, like they're not going to go for it. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, Okay, so that happened first, but then Ordained Women was found, and it was founded on March 17th, 2013. (laughs) Uh, It's a Mormon feminist organization that supports the ordination of women to the priesthood in the Mormon church. Gasp. It was was founded by Kate Kelly, a human rights attorney from Washington, D.C. Kate Mm. Kelly served an 18-month mission in Barcelona, Spain. She graduated from Brigham Young University with a Bachelor of Arts degree in political science. And in 2010, Kate Kelly founded Mormon May Day as a day for liberal or radical Mormons to hold a collective fast and make their voices heard within Mormonism on progressive themes. So she's kind of always been, like, really in the church, but also progressive. And, like, trying to push for progressive themes, which is good. Yeah, yeah. The name Kate Kelly is, like, a swear word to my parents. Is it? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I I think my dad was... Yeah, my dad was a bishop when that was all going on. Oh. So it was, like, a big thing. Like, I would go home and visit, and, like... It was like the topic of conversation because he would even say to me, he was like, do you think women need the priesthood? And me having not been active since, you know, like, yeah, after my divorce, I just stopped going to church. So it'd been years. And I was like, no, <laughs> I just know you're like, no one needs it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was just like, he's like, do you think women should have the priesthood? And I was like, women don't need the priesthood. Nobody needs the priesthood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he oh, was like, thing that- <laughs> yeah, and he was like, and I was like, I honestly, I was like, anybody should be allowed to pray and to, I was like, a mom should have the right to heal her child. 
And he was like, yes, I think we're on the same side. And I was like, we are not on the same side. But it's (laughs) not quite. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She caused such a stir at this time. Like, I remember her name being everywhere. And everyone was like, oh, like, she's, you know, rocking the boat too much. And she Mm -hmm. was a believing active Mormon. So, uh. yeah. And there's like drama now between her and John DeLynn, I've heard. So. Oh, yeah. I don't know much about that. I didn't really go into what she's doing now, but yeah, yeah, interesting. It's yeah, there's there's a lot of drama inside the church and outside the church. I know. I know. It's like we're raised to be like very dramatic people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Weird. Maybe just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, in April 2013 at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City, Ordained Women held its first public meeting concurrent with the priesthood session of the Mormon Church's General Conference. Um, <gasps> I know. So they had their own little meeting while the priesthood meeting was going on to, like, start things rolling. <laughs> uh, from So this is from the Ordained Women's website. It says, Ordained Women aspires to create a space for Mormons to articulate issues of gender inequality they may be hesitant to raise alone. As a group, we intend to put ourselves in the public eye and call attention to the need for the ordination of Mormon women to the priesthood. Then a couple more things from their website. Uh, there was a question that says, why is ordination necessary for women in the LDS church? Except that the highest levels of administration, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is a lay church. It is organized such that all members have the opportunity to speak, teach, and pray. Uh, Only boys and men, however, are ordained to the lay priesthood and have ritual and administrative authority in the church. Despite their gifts, talents, and aspirations, women are excluded from almost all positions of clerical, fiscal, ritual, and decision-making authority. While women perform significant service in the church's auxiliaries, such as the primary, relief society, Sunday school, and young women's organizations, their contributions are always mediated under the direction of male priesthood leaders, like we were just saying. So, yeah, they're like, oh, you have your own organization, but you you don't because the men control it. Yeah. 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 So blah, blah, blah. They just kind of go over that. And then uh, it says the lack of female authority does not stop at the church doors. The church's proclamation on the family declares that men preside over their wives and families thus preserving an antiquated and unequal model in both the domestic and ecclesiastical realms. How long do you guys think that that document's going <laughs> to gonna hold up? <laughs> People oh, still have that framed. Yeah. 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 Um, I think it has it up there. Uh, um, I hate it. I hate it so much. I do, too. Yeah. The more I had to memorize that on my mission, too, by the way. <laughs> you had to memorize it? Ew. Yeah, they had a whole memorizing uh, program. Like, you had to memorize a bunch of scriptures, and you would get their levels or whatever, and you would, um, every zone conference, I think, was, you would get, like, um, if you had reached a certain level of it, you would, um, and it had been signed off by your zone leader or whatever. I don't, I can't remember exactly the details, but it had been signed off. By and you'd get like a recognition, and about the end it was like a some like you get like a pin, all that for a pin or something. I can't remember. <laughs> what. Oh I cannot get over the Mormon Church's obsession with gold starring people. Like, oh, good yes, job. Yes. Here's a little, Here's your little thing. Hate it. Yeah. Hate it. And to this day, I could probably I could at least do some of that, some of the paragraphs to that. 
Oh, not gonna do it no. now, but <laughs> I'm like, don't do it. I hate it. <laughs> I'm already mad enough. <laughs> I get moments of like, oh, I can, I'll remember, you know, like scriptures and stuff because of it. It's like brainwashed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, yeah. Oh. I mean, it's just like seminary, but like worse because yeah, yeah. it was like I was taking, I was there was even more scriptures. Hey, sorry. Oh. <laughs> he wasn't yelling at me, everybody. That was my, it was the, the dog. He's, she's, she was chewing on my pants. <laughs> I was not chewing on his pants. No. <laughs> 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 um, Keep your teeth to yourself, Katie. <laughs> um, what is going on with, you remember the Mormon hippie? The hippie Mormon, whatever her name was, that was talking about how like garments needed to be better quality oh, and yeah. safer oh, for yeah. women to wear. I yeah. have not seen her on Instagram in like a long time, but I heard that she has released the institution of the church. Oh. Huh. I was so, yeah, I don't know. Did they kill her? Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. I'll have to. Yeah, that. we should. I, just because I was thinking of like, she, I, she always comes into my brain whenever I think about Kate Kelly for some reason. So yeah, kind of like trying to change things from well, within. Falls, yeah, falls from the fire. inside, and mm-hmm. like she was in. Wasn't she on the in the New York Times talking about how garments needed to be yeah. better for women because we were suffering from so many infections, so many infections, yeah, so many infections. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and that acquaintance that I was talking about earlier with the health stuff she was when she went back to the church she told me that's what she wanted to do was change the, change it from within and I was like first of all the fact that you feel like you have to change an institution from within means that there's yeah. something inherently wrong with it and you should not be part of it so why yeah. are you going what like okay yeah. cool but like do we really <laughs> see the church spending their billions of dollars on a higher quality ethically sourced garment for women do they care that much about women's health that they're actually going to do no they don't give a shit nope no yeah yeah nothing has changed since that article went viral that you know she was on there talking about it like i think the garments are the same yeah i haven't heard that they have changed at all yeah Yeah. um one more thing from ordained women's website says uh, many Mormons respond to questions about the inequality of an all-male priesthood by insisting that men and women have distinct but equal roles. Women have motherhood, they argue, and oh. men have the priesthood. What they fail to acknowledge is that fatherhood is the appropriate parallel to motherhood. Ah. <laughs> right? I love that. <laughs> priesthood power is separate and distinct from parenthood and gender. The rhetoric that uses motherhood to circumscribe women's lives has been used throughout history to deny women access to the voting booth, political office, education, employment, and spiritual empowerment. And I was like, yes, Uh, like, why don't, you know, we were, I was the one saying like, oh, but yeah, women can be mothers and and, uh, men can't, like, but men can be fathers and women can't, like, what the fuck? Yeah, (laughs) like, it's. Uh, I know. I can't. I can't. You guys. I can't. <laughs> yeah. So, ordained women requested tickets to the priesthood session of the October 2013 general conference. I remember that. Yeah. The request was denied. Oh, uh, shocking. Yeah. Then in October of that same year. Ordain Women organized an event in which approximately 150 Mormon women attempted to attend the priesthood session. 
that was held in the conference center. So they lined up, tried to get in, and all the women were told at the door that the session was for men only and they wouldn't be admitted. Of course it was. Of course. I don't understand, though, because it's broadcast. I know. You can very easily flip it on and watch it. And it's in the conference version of the Enzyme or whatever they call it now. Right. You can, like, read it and watch it later. So it's not like it's a big secret. It's just another form of control of no. You are not allowed until we tell you you're allowed. It's mm-hmm. that's all it is. Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah. Hate it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, then, oh, go ahead. Um, I totally forgot my thought now. Let's see. Wait, maybe <laughs> did I? Did I forget it? So the um, nope, I forgot it. It's gone. <laughs> gone. Sorry. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Think of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, because of this, on May 5th, 2014, Kate Kelly was placed on informal probation by her local church leaders for, quote, openly, repeatedly, and deliberately acting in public opposition to the church and its leaders after having been counseled not to do so. Like a I'm little sorry, kid. Sweetheart, you're, you're making a little bit too much noise, so you're going to have to sit down and think about what you've done. Yeah, like putting her in time out. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. <laughs> Women are seen, not heard, remember? So um, she's yeah. being heard too much. So yeah, making oh too much ruckus. <sighs> she then received an email on June 8th threatening her with excommunication for apostasy. Her disciplinary council was scheduled for June 22nd, and on June 23rd, she was informed by her bishop that she had been excommunicated. So she didn't actually attend her disciplinary hearing, but. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't either. That's freaking scary. But so instead of doing that, she submitted a written defense through her representative, which I thought was cool. Uh, oh. Her name was Nadine Hansen, and she was a fellow Mormon feminist attorney. So she showed up, had this written statement, and then she also sent in hundreds of letters on her behalf from supporters to this council. Wow. They, they still, yeah, they didn't, didn't even look at them. No. But they sat there and even were like, oh. Susan from no they did not give a fuck she was making noise she was a problem they needed to squash the problem it doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah and it's heartbreaking it's like overall I'm glad that 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 happened because now she's out of the church but at mm -hmm. the time she was a believer like wholeheartedly and when you get excommunicated all your covenants are just like poof your family Mm -hmm. all of it just taken away if you believe it even when I chose to have my name removed from the records, when I got the letter, there was still this like feeling of like, that was 36 years of my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gone. You know, yeah. even though yeah. I made the choice, I couldn't imagine them just saying, nope. And yeah, taking, taking it you. when you like, still wanted it. Yeah. And- I couldn't, I couldn't imagine the heartbreak that people who are excommunicated and that's, that's why they do it. They absolutely yeah. do it to hurt you yeah it's Mm -hmm. they call it the council of love no it is not coming from a place of love it is coming from a place of we are going to punish you because you are causing a problem that we can't have Mm yeah for the most part i mean there are people who get excommunicated for like really horrific reasons like abuse abusing their children or who have murdered people or whatever but like i'm saying in the general populace of people who are it's because they're causing a problem they're asking so many questions agreed More often than not, it's something like that versus a really heinous act. Cause yeah. Yeah. A lot of times they don't confess those to their bishop. Or if they do, 
hmm, they're covered up for seven years. Huh. Or, you know, Ted Bundy getting letters from his ward supporting him. You oh. Know. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yucky. <laughs> well, and on that dark note, too, I was like, I was thinking of Under the Banner of Heaven when the they were sending letters to the church leaders of the church telling them about the Lafferty brothers is Lafferty, right? I got that yeah. right. Um, telling them about what's going on and they were just like not listened to because they're women. They put it on yes. the state president and said, you need to deal with these little children who were and having like, lip temperature. Shut it up. Shut like down. cover yeah. it up. Cause yeah. we don't yep. want this mess and this noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Out. They're causing problems with their priesthood. Yep. Holders, so you need to. And yeah. also the, the third convention that we talked about, uh, Dusty, yeah. like, uh, people that are not white <laughs> are asking for change or asking for something, you know, that's not, that goes against what they want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were excommunicated. A whole yeah. congregation excommunicated. <sighs> yeah. How dare you ask for something? You were done. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. I hate it so bad. So, um, so Kate Kelly's bishop. His name was Mark Harrison, stated that ordained women, quote, intended to proselyte others and persuade them to support your particular interpretation of church doctrine. So the basis for Kate Kelly's excommunication was on the grounds of conduct unbecoming of a member of the church and progressive effort to persuade other church members to her point of view. The irony of like <laughs> that, because that's what Mormons teach is like proselyte, bring people into our beliefs. And then when she's trying to like uplift yeah. and advocate for equality, they're like, you're talking about that too much. Yeah. yeah. Also, so, the, the phrase conduct unbecoming like makes me honestly think of like stuff from the military. Mm-hmm. Which feel like of uh, dishonorable and uh, dishonorable discharge and that kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what. That's exactly what they did. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I hadn't made that connection. Yeah. That's a really good point. mm -hmm. So uh, she appealed her excommunication first to her state president and then to the first presidency. And they all rejected her appeal. So, so much for compassion and wanting to, like, work with people. Yeah. What's the atonement? Isn't that? Oh, yeah. yeah. What's that? (laughs) I've always, so, uh, Katie, your episode about the, um, why can't I think of it? The, your latest, uh, the object, virtue, object, object lessons. lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And about how, like, you made a, it was either you or Sarah made a point of, like, how it just eradicates the atonement. They don't yeah. ever, like, and I'm like, it's not central to your doctrine. And yeah. yet it's not because, like, you keep saying, like, oh, you're, you're blemished, you're, unworthy you don't have your sinful because you did this thing and Even yet if you use the atonement there's still that nail scar in the wood right yeah, yeah. like why yeah. isn't if the atonement is so powerful to overcome all those things why couldn't they turn to that in their little disciplinary action or whatever in their um what a council of love, love. and yeah. say mm-hmm. well the atonement can make you bet like can wipe this all away just right. let's do that you know like if that's really what they believe instead they take it to this other way and be like no you're done we're just right. no even that even the atonement can't help you is what they're saying basically 
Yeah. And like, that's but not then whose place is that? Christ died for everybody. Like, isn't that the whole point? Is that he died oh, for every sinner on that has that's ever existed? Always bugged me about the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always like been the little like thing in mm-hmm. my brain about that. Think, it's like, yeah. why? Okay, so you can, we can, anything we do can be wiped away. But like, and I think that's where the Christians, like the evangelicals, kind of get it right. Yeah. Is that like. We're saved no matter what, you know, right. like yeah. there's you just have to believe. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like my, I have that, a really good friend who's weird. like very Christian and she'll she, she said something to me. I can't remember what it was. Something about like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Your works don't matter. It's your heart. And I was mm-hmm. like, she was like, you have a good heart. So Christ loves you. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> See, I don't know that I necessarily so believe in him, but yeah, that's that... nice. <laughs> <laughs> On my mission, I always got that, like, you guys believe in works and, like, faith and and works. And we're like, yeah, but, um, and we would kind of argue with them, obviously, because, like, oh, that's a terrible thing to be, like, you can't just believe in your faith, you know, and everything. But, like, and then. Mormons are judged on their works 100%. Yeah, it has nothing to do with your heart. It has nothing to do with your intention. has nothing to do with your faith. It is 100%. How much of your tithing you pay, what your clothing looks like, and how often you're at church in the temple. But they constantly contradict themselves that way, and they say that they don't. So it's just, I, ugh, yeah, it's, it's liars. It's a mess. Yeah, <laughs> and I was gonna say with the atonement thing, you know, someone could embezzle or defraud someone, like ruin their life. They could stalk someone, whatever. They yeah. confess to their bishop, and then they go through the repentance process. Even if they might get excommunicated for whatever they did, if they appeal it, a lot of times those kind of crimes. Mm-hmm. they uh they'll be forgiven and be able to like come back to church and you know then yeah. you move up along but she appealed and they're just simply for like questioning them they're just like nope 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 all the yeah, way they're up. not even not willing even to work chance. with her yeah yeah mm-hmm. there wasn't even it's... like steps of repentance laid out for her it was just a blatant you're done yep mm-hmm. just by virtue of her gender honestly like it's just she wanted yeah. equality yeah. yeah that's what it comes down to and it's ugh. yeah yeah So I have one more paragraph here. Um, It says the LDS church has not publicly issued any direction to formally discipline the other ordained women profile holders. When church spokesman was asked if profile holders would be, should be worried about their temple recommend status due to involvement with ordained women. He stated that quote, qualifying for a temple recommend is a matter between members and local leaders. But despite the lack of coordination from church headquarters, it is confirmed that men and women have lost church callings and temple recommends directly because of association with ordained women. So I love how they try to have it both ways. Like, oh, no, I don't know. It's between them and their bishop. But then a lot of them have just lost. They've been excommunicated or can't go to yeah. the temple or whatever. It's because they try, they to, like, try make to whitewash everything. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. no, no, of course we're not going to kick them out. Kick them out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to look good. But well, at the same it's time. all PR spin. It's the wolf they have sheep's clothing. Such- bullshit like they literally are like just like they put on this front of like we're we're sweet and gentle and we christ loves everybody and and then they like when in behind closed doors it's like no 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 we're gonna eat all of you anybody like the guest that you had katie that was like yeah mormons are great until they're not yes i love that (laughs) that was my favorite quote of like all time mormons are wonderful until they're not until they're not (laughs) and then you're like oh shit that might have just been an act this whole time uh Yeah. So those are my notes. And uh, I yeah, loved it. Thank you for 
for having me. <laughs> I mean, I loved it and I hated it. It like makes you mad. Yeah. But then you're like, uh. And I know Kate Kelly has since like left and she doesn't believe in Mormonism anymore and all that. But yeah. still, just like a shitty thing. Yeah. It's all yeah. over. Um, first of all, it started with wearing pants wearing and pants. Then just like watching a conference session with men and just wanting to have the same power. Yeah. They're just like, no. Just wanting to be just wanting to be invited to the conversation, right? That's all it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to be able to have a say in the table. Like to yeah. be able to have decision making rights and Yeah. 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 God forbid, you know. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like you look at like the evolution of it, like with the like we were talking about at the beginning of this, like Joseph Smith even wanted women to have some sort of, you know, he's talked about them having power. Yeah. And then, I mean, even J Dog is problematic, obviously. But like, if you think like, uh, like why if we really are the, you know, true lineage, if it really is the true lineage of the of Joseph Smith's church that he wanted, then why isn't that? Why did that happen? Why did that change? Yeah, because it has nothing to do with what mind. he... Yeah, because, yeah. no. no. God is never changing and everlasting. The gospel is it never changes, Jake. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, never. <laughs> Get oh. it right. All, even though the Mormon church changes more than any other church oh. ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a fun journey. It was. Yeah. I, <laughs> thanks for bringing me along on that. That was a fun yeah. little... <laughs> surprise for my Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. It was fun to be the first guest where you two are like official co-hosts. Yeah. So I feel yeah. special. I love it. <laughs> I love that Jake popped the question. <laughs> Finally. 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 It was good. It was I think it was it's the right time. <laughs> Everything pop. happens in the go- in God's time. <laughs> oh God. No. <laughs> it's a perfect topic too because it's like giving you know, giving you power. Giving women power. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a voice. Powering the women. <laughs> I'm gonna color code all the things. <laughs> well and uh we she was like it also goes with not so Peter Priesthood because she's like, I don't have the priesthood, never had the priesthood. So oh, I'm never yeah. like it goes along with the title too. So it does. Never had the priesthood, even though I was given a man's name. Oh, damn. <laughs> uh, you could have, you probably could have fooled them at that some point there. Okay, so I went there. to a BYU camp when I was a teenager, and I filled out my paperwork, and I put female, and I was so excited, and I got my package in the mail, and I opened it up, and it had, like, my room assignment for on campus, and I was in the boys' oh. dorm. <laughs> oh. So there's like I a mean, little thing that you send back if there's an error, right? So I spill it all out and I said, female, <laughs> I need to be in the girl storm. Great, <laughs> wonderful. I get to BYU first day of camp. I'm all excited to get my name tag and everything. I walk up, I get my room assignment, and I'm in the boys' dorm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. And they were like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. <laughs> I was like, nope, I'm good. I gave you the opportunity. Yeah, I'll, I'll hang out with the, with the dudes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I ended uh, up in this room off by myself, all alone, and I oh, really sad. Oh. Never really like had all these fun like experiences with a roommate, and I was all by myself. Oh. Screw what you, a bunch BYU. of dumb. 
What a bunch of dummies that like you sent it twice and they're not gonna look uh, at what you marked your gender because they're used to Dustin being a boy's name. A boy's like, name. Come on, you had uh, two. Some guy was really trying to get in the girl's dorm, and I was like, I am 13, 14. I think I was just I was just turning 14. I was like, I just don't want to be with the boys. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> And that's where it started. <laughs> <laughs> Look at your life now, surrounded by little boys. Oh, all the boys. <laughs> male dogs. Oh, male yeah. Children. I didn't even think about that. I know. I'm the only girl. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, somebody's crying. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you, Katie. You're always yeah. great. We love having yeah, you on. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime. Thanks uh, for bringing me along, you guys. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs>